Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, where we have folks of all different walks of life share any trials and tribulations. Through the sacred art of conversation and storytelling, we seek to open minds, shed light, and make our modern world feel a little less lonely, realizing that we are all connected, one human experience at a time. I'm your host, Aisha Billy. I'd like to welcome you to the show and thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the show, Michael Keeler. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so stoked to talk with you. We haven't haven't got to Kiki in a while. We have not. I haven't got to Kiki with Kiki in a while and it... (laughs) God, I miss your voice. Like I miss, I miss working for you. I miss everything about you. I'm so stoked to have you here. I know. I, I I've been looking forward to this so much, and when I, it got rescheduled. I think once, and I was like, no. But like, how do can we make this happen? Because I just, you know, I wanted to hear about your life, and I haven't seen your face in so long. And so, yeah, I'm stoked. I always love talking to you. I mean, ever since we've met, I felt like you've been a kind of kindred spirit, and um, and I, you're always so wise beyond your years. That every time I I talk to you, I, I learn something about the world or about myself, and I'm sure today is not going to be an exception. That is so fucking kind of you. I, I totally resonate with the kindred spirit. I do feel like you and I and a couple other folks, like we're really cut from the same cloth. Yeah. You know, I, I just think that there's like a resonance that you feel with someone who maybe experienced, maybe not the same adversity as you, but like sure. the same level and, you know, et cetera. Yeah, I also know that we share a lot of the same kind of values about how we see the see the world and how we want to treat people, and and I think that goes a long way to people feeling connected to one another. Can I tell you, I never realized how valuable that was until I really left MFF. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How so, just you just need to know that all you guys need to know that because it's like. I don't know how to put it. It's the world is so diverse and there's, there's so many different, everybody has different needs and experiences and value systems and belief systems. And it's like, I really feel like being in New York city, it offered me, I hate using the fucking word bubble, but it, it just, it offered me community that was so within the lines of, of my values and then when I left that community, I was like, whoa, these motherfuckers are whacked out. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's so rude. But... No, but no, it's true. I mean, there, there's, I mean, there's a reason why people, you know, flock, birds of a feather flock together. Right? I mean, is, is that, you know, you can let your guard down and truly relax and truly be yourself and let your, you know, at least in your case, I'll say, and mine too, let your freak flag fly. You know, you can only do that in a space where you feel like you're you're safe enough or a safe space that encourages you to be brave. And that's not everywhere. It's not at all. It's not at all. Like it de- definitely the encouragement to be brave it's unreal the way that like the culture that you guys, you know, have within the community, it really does that because when I, once I did leave, I did notice that I was not as courageous just to put it in short to like get my voice out there and get my opinions out there, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's so true on so many levels. You know, this, this is a tangent, but uh, you said we can just chat. So which is, which is, um, you know, my, my husband and I were recently looking to buy a house. We just kind of bought a house outside of the city, just North of the city, kind of in downstate New York. And even in that process of figuring out, okay, well, where can two gay men live and start to yeah. raise a family? Yeah. I was like, 
I found more areas where I was not comfortable moving mm-hmm. than comfortable moving. As an example, if I just want to be surrounded by people who share a lot of my values um, so that I can, I and my hopefully soon growing family can, can thrive. And, you know, I think that's a good thing. I want to be somewhere where we can be at least at least around some people who share our values and and you know perspectives, and you know, and that was hard even in the house buying process. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's and it's funny because if you were to like bring up a map of somewhere like New York City, for example, it's like mm-hmm. pick a spot, like yeah, you know, in terms of in terms of like those demographics and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm so. Course fucking happy for you in this new house. Yeah, I'm so stoked. I mean, you know, you know my background. I'm sure we'll talk about my life as well. But, you know, I didn't grow up with someone with a lot of money. I mean, I grew up with a single mom in the trailer park in New Jersey. My other family members were like, you know, maybe maybe middle middle income Americans. Um, and so I, this is the only house I've ever lived in in my life that was my yeah. own. You know, yeah. even the houses I lived in growing up were other family members. So it's really such a fun, fascinating milestone in my life. And also, it's also so weird because I've lived in cities my whole life and now I'm in the fucking woods. <laughs> yeah, you are. Are your neighbors far from you or you can see them? Yeah, I don't have neighbors nearby. Get the fuck out. It's so weird. It's so weird, Aisha. When you come up here, you'll see. And I love it. We, you know, we chose this on purpose because I, you know, I wanted a place where I can like have people over and be outside and be loud and, you know, have pool parties and like, no one's going to fucking bother me. Um, so I wanted that, but also it's so weird because I can't see a neighbor from anywhere. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Do you feel like it's a good fit for you? Or do you see, do you foresee yourself being like a couple years down the line? Oh, maybe we'll sell this or something like that. No, I'm in it. I'm in it. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. Cause I also have worked from remotely for a bunch of years now. So like I can be anywhere. I think in a few years when the city fully reopens, um, we'll probably you know, get a little apartment or studio in the city so we can be there more often. I know, um, you know, my husband, Andrew, who you also love and adore, um, uh-huh. he wants to be there, you know, he's a social butterfly and we like to see shows and things. And so we'll probably maybe just get an apartment with friends or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really clever to, in terms of like owning real estate or just like having homes to have one, like in a perfect world where I would be Mm -hmm. rich, I would want one like on the island or would want something in the city and I would love something upstate. It's just like the three or city and just upstate, you know what I mean? Just to have like the best of those two worlds. Um, so you mentioned growing up with a single mom in a trailer park. Did you have siblings? I don't really I know. I do. I have a brother who's just two years younger. His name oh. is Mark. I have a lot of Marks in my life. Yeah. And he's still in Jersey <laughs> in the town, essentially the town we grew up in. And did you, you went to high school with Mark, right? With Mark Fisher. Yep. So you guys lived in the same town as well? Uh, yep. Totally. We lived in South Jersey near, um, just basically near Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Okay. What was it like growing up in a trailer? <laughs> well, my parents my parents got divorced when I was like two, and and we moved down. We were in North Jersey when, when I was born. I was born in Burlington County, New Jersey. And we moved down south because my grandparents had kind of like retired or kind of moved down by uh, by the, by the beach, and so my mom wanted to be closer to them so she could help so they could help raise my brother and I. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we moved into a trailer park. So it was the only thing she could afford with a as a single mom of two kids, um, and. And honestly, I have fond memories of growing up in a trailer park. I mean, I yeah. knew I knew we were broke. You know, I knew other kids lived in houses. <laughs> and, I, you know, and my school district was one that was really mixed. It was people like, you know, trailer park like me, but a lot of kids who were kind of rich. 
And so I knew from an early age that, you know, like my living situation was not normal. You know, not having two parents was a thing you could be teased about. You know, I, I don't know if it's still true now, but back then that was something I know a lot of kids got teased about. Wow. But, um, but yeah, I think the trailer park park was actually kind of fun because, you know, going back to our previous point, it was, it was like a little bubble of people. You know, there was a, a lady across the street who would go over and I know that she would give me candy. There was a lady <laughs> just, you know, two trailers over who, you know, we could sh- knock on her door at any time and she would make us a sandwich and ask us to come in and watch TV with her, you know? So like, it was a little community of people that I felt safe running around. I knew everyone. My mom was, you know, I was also, I'm old enough to be one of those kids that was like, just come home, come home when it's dinner time, <laughs> you yeah. know? get your homework done, then go outside and I'll see you in a few hours. I don't care where you are, you know, don't bother me unless, you know, you're crying or bleeding and I'll see you when the streetlight turns, streetlights turn on. And we could do that also in part because I was in this little bubble of a trailer park. And so, you know, it was kind of like, you know, we had kids my age that were there, you know, some of our best friends lived just a few trailers over. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, you know, for the, for the most part, I have really fond memories of that. And, and my mom was a superhero and never, never made us feel like we were missing or lacking for anything. Right. And so, you know, all in all, I have a really positive experience of it. Yeah, definitely. And I have been recognizing that. I just had Nancy Newell on the podcast and she was mm-hmm. talking about what it was like for her growing up in a trailer park as well. And she was like, we, me and my sister, we dirt biked all the time. And like, mm-hmm. we just, it, it was all the kids from each trailer, we would get together and walk to the bus stop yep. together, like every morning. Like it does sound like it's community oriented Yeah, and she does sound incredible. She passed away, right? Your mother? Yeah, she did. She, when I was in college. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that, you know, uh, Sure, there are some people who lived in the trailer park over time that, you know, or whatever, what kids would call today problematic, right? There are some people who, you know, were real, were a problem. You know, I had one guy, I mean, uh, this is one of my favorite stories. I won't tell the whole story because it's long, but one guy, I was literally in a fight with like his son at the bus stop. And I don't know, I was like eight. And like we we're throwing pine cones at each other and I like scratched the kid's face when I threw a pine cone at him. This guy like got his gun out of his trailer and like chased me home. Are you, you know, kidding me? Like that, that also was part of the trailer park experience. <laughs> oh, and, and I was my screaming God. so loud that like I popped a blood vessel in my eye and it was <laughs> my mom, my mom chewed him out. <laughs> she was not afraid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, so there was, there was also, you know, some people who live in a trailer park who maybe fit the stereotypes that people have <laughs> about people living in trailer parks. But really ours just made me feel uh, full of, um, you know, people with kids who couldn't afford regular housing and older people who were on a super tight budget. And this was like their little retirement village because that's, you know, and they somewhat had each other. But I remember part of my memory of growing up there is all the older people that lived in those trailers, you know, they would die from time to time. Right. And, you know, they didn't have other families and things. So people in the trailer park would help take care of them. You know, and I'm not, I don't want to make it sound like this was like a kumbaya trailer park, <laughs> but I mean, but there was a sense of like, you know, there was a sense of community. Well, what's funny about that is because I can see all my neighbors, but I don't know who the fuck these people are. Mm, None yeah. of us talk to each other ever, yep. Yep. you know? And it's yeah. like that, I will say when I was, we just moved into this house like two and a half, three years ago. My mom just bought it. So my mom finally reached her dream of owning property. Wow. Yeah, which was 
fucking her journey getting to this was so gnarly like sorry for another time but you know I've only been in here for three years so it's not like I think three years is long enough to get to know your neighbors and when I was growing up so I'm 25 so when I was growing up like I want to say about 20 years ago that block I grew up when I was five years old we all knew each other on the block but I've noticed that the older I've gotten, we have moved around all the time, but we did move around around the same area. So I did change school districts districts once, but even though we moved, I don't even know, like five or six, like I literally don't remember, but it was always within the same second school district that I moved into. And as I grew up, I recognized people were less and less social with their neighbors. Mm-hmm. It was such a culture shock for me because when I lived in Lindenhurst, the town I originally, I did elementary school and everyone knew each other. Kids were always out in the block, basketball, skateboard, bikes, anything you could think of. And now I'm like, I don't even know their names at all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I see. I see that a lot. I see that. I hear that a lot from people, especially friends of mine who've like, you know, moved to the burbs in the last you know, five or 10 years, uh, there's they either move into places where it's very communal and it's a growing neighborhood of young parents. And I think that's one of the things that often brings communities together is if they have children of the same age, then people yes. will connect more regularly, play dates and things. And apparently these days, like play dates are all like scheduled and organized. <laughs> that was not the case when I was growing up, but um, uh, it was basically like, go outside and find friends. <laughs> Those were my play dates. <laughs> yeah. But um, I always, I'm starting to sound like a grumpy old man already. Um, no, you're not. Not at all. That was true. It was like back <laughs> in my day, um, there was no apps to, you know, find a play date, you know. Um, Wait, there are apps now to find play dates? I'm sure. I made that up, but I'm sure that there <laughs> I think you just thought of a, a genius uh, business plan. I'm sure there has to be like a, a play date dating app, you know. Um but what was I saying? I don't know. But but I think you know, all my friends moving to suburbs, some of them who have kids, I think, are finding an easier time. Without kids, I think people are all in these little bubbles. People think that you know interaction and inter- human interaction these days happens online, <laughs> you know, and people are just not going out to meet each other. I'm, I'm lucky that even in my in this new house, we've only been here about three months. Um, you know, several neighbors have come over and said hi and introduced themselves, and I don't, I can't even see their houses from my front door, but. But they came over and you know saw us outside and said hi. So I feel like I'm doing pretty good over here at this moment. But that's really, really sweet. Yeah, it's really sweet, especially during you know a pandemic when you know you can only really meet your neighbors outside in the middle of winter. You know, yeah, totally. Yeah. Speaking of, how have you been doing during this pandemic? Like, it's it's such a loaded question, but I'm I'm curious about like your mental state and mm-hmm. mentality around it. Yeah. Well, I think you know this about me, but I mean, I'm, I've always been a pretty hard person to rattle, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I'm pretty go with the flow. Like it takes a lot to get me like riled up or stressed out. I'm pretty even tempered. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's really come in handy this last year. Mm-hmm. The fact that I'm like, you know what? Okay. we got to be inside. Let's stay inside for a little while. <laughs> Let's figure out how to make this interesting. <laughs> Let's, you know, and you know, and Andrew and I for the, all of last year, we were in the city for the whole year and we were in a little one bedroom apartment. And so we did our best to quarantine almost that entire time with a few exceptions of, you know, going to see family in Jersey. But, um, but, you know, we just tried our best to stay in, in taking care of each other. You know, I think that's one of my, I think the things I'm most grateful for was that my mental state was probably pretty good because I had someone who I enjoyed spending time with. 
you know, and Andrew was Andrew was really good at kind of keeping us engaged, keeping us keeping us occupied when we could be, even with you know fun things like buying some you know, buying some crafts online and giving us something to do on Friday night. Oh my <laughs> you know, God, totally. we're scheduling Zoom dates with friends, or you know, uh, figuring out how to play play games on Zoom with friends, <laughs> or you know, all that kind of stuff. Or forcing me to get up and go take walks. You know, he's just he's really good at staying social and. Uh, being playful. And I don't know that I, I would have had as much fun over this last year, if I can say that I've had fun, if it wasn't for him. You know, I think he really did a great job of keeping us both sane. Yeah, that's really, really beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, because it's just such a testament to um, having a partner who yeah. forces you. Yeah, for you sure. Know? No, it's so true. And I, I find myself so lucky and grateful every day to to have one. Uh, that is Andrew Cole, <laughs> yeah. Because you know he's just we're, we're such a good compliment, and you know my my tendency if during quarantine would have just been okay. Well, I'll just work twenty four hours a day and sit on the couch on my laptop, and and I would have just turned off social engagement. I would have turned off fun. I would have turned off all of those things, um, and that's part of how we balance each other. Is he helps keep those things turned on for me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's something that I've been thinking a lot about, like in this life is partnership. It's so incredibly important. And it doesn't have to be a romantic partner necessarily, mm-hmm. but even thinking of like your best pals as like your partner in, in life, yeah. it, even if it's just for a certain season, you know, right now it's like, I'm a bachelor and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure once I have a family, like my partner in life would transition more to like whoever I'm married to or like have a family with. But it's like, I've really noticed that this life is so goddamn, not just hard, but kind of bleak if mm. you try to take it on alone. Yeah. It's, it's a lot for people to carry. And I do feel like, I do feel like, you know, again, I'll start to sound like an old man, but I'm fine with that. But I do feel like life has just gotten so much more complex. There's just so much information coming at us all the time. And we have so many choices and so many, so many distractions and so many ways to compare ourselves to other people. And all of that is a lot of weight to carry. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of baggage. And I just, you know, I don't think our brains and our hearts and our minds and our bodies were built for this. (laughs) We weren't built for staring at the screens. We weren't built for all these choices. We weren't built to store all this information. We weren't built to process the amount of data we're getting every single day. I mean, it's a lot. And so I do think that uh, I'd, I would have a much harder time navigating it all if I didn't have, you know, not only my husband as a partner, but a business partner and I have yeah. a coach and yeah. I have, and I have uh, other coaching circles that I run and I'm part of, I feel supported by. I mean, it really feels like it takes a village to keep my life in together. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just crazy that that's necessary. And, you know, it's, I guess it's always been the case or we wouldn't have that adage that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. But these days I feel like it takes a village to just have a human survive. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, and it's just crazy that we've gotten to that point that, that our lives are so layered and complex. Yeah. We need to talk more on that because I, firstly, I want to say what I'm, what I hear when you talk about all those folks, it's literally your support system. Yep. And what's funny is, is, is if I haven't studied enough about like tribal times and I haven't studied enough about evolutionary psychology, but you know, thanks to a lot, thanks to you and Mark, like, and I would say Kyle Langworthy for sure. I definitely have like more of a background in it now than I would have in general. And I really think a lot about how 
we, you know, Mona Awad, she's, yeah. yeah so Mona Awad is a ninja and I just fucking love her. And amazing. She, she's just, she's just fucking brilliant. I don't even know how she is, who she is. Like, she's just the myth that is Mona Awad. And she was talking to me once about like, oh, like back in the day, whatever like historical terminology she used, women would sit in a circle and they would talk about things that were happening in their bodies during their periods, during sex. Oh, this happens to me. Does that happen to you? Oh my God, that happens to you too. Normal. And it's like, we don't have that community anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that our physiologies are caught up. And what's so funny is that taking it back to my freshman year of college, before I transferred to Cortland, I was going to a community school here and my anatomy and physiology professor, he also owned, um, a weight loss facility. Mm -hmm. And he would talk to us a lot about weight loss. And, you know, I always thought it was interesting because looking back, I just had raging binge eating disorder and totally was unaware of it. But it was so interesting hearing what he had to share. He was like, your physiology is not caught up to the way to the processed food that we have today at all. He was like, it wasn't, you know, like your intestines and your stomach lining and acids, they weren't designed to be able to healthily process, um, any of the processed foods that we eat now so regularly. Sure. And what's funny is it's like there's that is in regards to food. So it's like what is our what is it in regards to our brains with mm -hmm. the way life has gotten today? Yeah. You know? It's true. No, it's true and you're right. I don't I don't know the, the science on this either, but I just, you know, I know my own experience and you know, I've been a, a, a life and business coach for, you know, six or eight years now. And so I talk to a lot of people about their challenges every single day. It's my job okay. yeah. to tell people about their challenges. And some, everyone I talked to was challenged by this. Uh, maybe, I don't know if I talked to enough, a lot of people about the food part, but my own experience tells me that, that that has some truth to it, right? That when I find myself eating really processed sugars and really processed carbohydrates and all those things, that I feel differently. You know, and yeah. I might have an addiction to eating those things, but I feel differently. My body sends me signals that says, this is not fun for me, <laughs> you know, and you know, you don't have to listen that hard. I think our bodies are, all, all bodies are probably telling us that <laughs> when it comes to that food. But I think that also to the, from the, from the brain perspective, I find that true with literally everyone. I mean, any given week, if I have, you know, 15 entrepreneurs on a phone call that I'm, that I'm doing, and if I ask them, you know, who's feeling burnt out or overwhelmed this week, literally all of them will raise their hands almost all of the time. Wow. You know, uh, and, you know, and these are, these are people who, you know, from and for the most part, many of them are businesses that are thriving, you know, they should have a lot to be grateful for, and they should be, you know, feeling really comfortable and safe. And, you know, and that's just not the case most of the time when I'm talking to folks. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, I think it comes down to the sense of like, you know, of all the things I listed, like comparing themselves to other people on an individual level, comparing their businesses to other people's businesses <laughs> on an individual level, their families and all the complexity of raising kids in this environment. I mean, there's so so many layers. Everyone you talk to, no matter what their life is, how you do it, everyone's answer is so busy. Yeah. Everyone's answer is so busy. I'm like, what the hell are we all so busy doing? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, and so many of those things we're so busy doing, we have control over, but there's something in us that tells us we can't simplify, right? And I have this myself that, you know, I, I get some sort of, and I was talking about this on a podcast recently, so we don't have to dive in too deep. But I think sure. for me, uh, it comes down to this idea of this kind of internalized capitalism. Massive, you know? massive, massive, ma like, you know, 
Like is, I want to scream a, at the rooftops right now. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's something that's resonated with me so hard in this last year was that my, my, you know, lack of willingness to simplify my life. The minute I take a day off or the minute I don't produce well enough, or I don't feel like I, you know, I got enough work done. I feel like a piece of shit. You mm-hmm. know, I feel super lazy and like my value has diminished. And all of that is the nonsense that we've been fed that our value is tied to our productivity. And that's just, you know, that's just not the case. And I think that's a, you know, a somewhat heightened concept in our modern life. I do think, you know, thinking historically, sure, people who are more productive and able to produce more food or hunt more game or have more children for that matter, probably were valued more. I don't think that it's a new concept. I don't think it's just about capitalism, but I think capitalism probably, you know, lit a fire under that idea mm-hmm. and, and kind of grew it exponentially, <laughs> kind of scaled it up in a, in a way it that's capitalized. really- capitalized. Yeah, it capitalized, on capitalized on itself, you know, um, and yeah, and it's, it's just fascinating that even even having awareness about it doesn't stop me from buying into it. Right, because it's such <clears throat> deep psychological programs, like that programming, yeah. it's so, if you think about it like this, and it's, and I'm not shitting on like the school system necessarily, but you get to first to do well to get to second, to get to third, to get to fourth, five, six, seventh grade. And, you know, with the way that the tests are graded, it's like, you're smart if you got a hundred and then you're an Mm -hmm. idiot if you got a 60. Meanwhile, it's like, why can't we accept the idea that everybody has genius level talent? It's just that if you take a fish out of water, it's not going to do well. If you take a land creature off the land, it's not going to do well. And I do think a lot of that programming came from like the gold star that we would get in class. And it's, it's so hard to, you know, not discuss these things, but to, cause my brain always goes to, well, what's the solution? You know, I love problem solving and sure. I don't know what the solution is because I do think it's a great system and I'm not blaming just the schools, but it's that that's where I think a lot of that deep programming came from. And I will tell you, and I feel like you might relate to this, like after graduating college, I was so disoriented. Like Mm -hmm. I I would say more so after leaving MFF, like MFF still gave me like structure and and, like things to like work towards and and, um, a little bit more like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Um, I don't want to say goal oriented, but we'll just stay with, keep it that structure. Sure. And once I left, oh my God, I just felt like I was falling in like a, a vacuum of life and being like, there's no, what, like, what do I do? Just feeling incredibly disoriented. Yeah. But then you look at kids like my mom who did not, and my dad who didn't go to school past fifth grade. Yep. And he didn't even have that programming at all. So it's like, and my yeah. mom, I would say that I don't think that my mom feels that her value comes through her work. Does she have severe work addiction? Absolutely. But I think that's tied more to her childhood traumas. Um, but what I've noticed with my parents, because they don't have like, they're also not from America, but because they didn't have like a lot of the programming that I think you and I and my sister and your brother like had in mm-hmm. schools. The the way they approach shit is so fucking creative because they are not bound to like, oh, the the shoulds, you know? A certain way of thinking, yeah. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I, th- I think I think you're absolutely right that I think schools get a lot of blame. But, th- you know, the thing is, is schools do exactly what they were originally designed to do, which is to create people to work in factories. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the that's the, the history of the U.S. school system was it was really designed and most of the curriculum still in place is is from that era, from what I understand. Wait, I did but, not know that. Yeah, that, you know, that most of the American school system was designed to put people in, you know, Henry Ford's factories. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, you know, it's designed to teach people based on a reward of, uh, you know, a system of rewards and punishments, how to think a certain way and use logic and reason and learn all the kind of core subjects that they thought were important back then. But it doesn't teach practical skills, doesn't teach life skills or communication skills. Like, you know, I think everyone should learn in school how to manage their own money. Totally. You know, I think everyone should learn in school, you know, um, how to travel safely. You know, I think everyone should learn in school how to communicate in a conflict, <laughs> you know, like I think everyone should learn in school, you know, how to, how to be a creative problem solver. You know, um, there's so many things that are such important life skills that I just have no place in the school system. And I think, you know, it's, we've known for a long time that it's not working. <laughs> we've known for a long time that it's broken. There's a lot of smart people been working on it, but I just, I wish that at least in the U.S., we would invest more time and money and energy into getting the smartest people we have to fix it. Um, but there's also, you know, as we all know, there's a lot of people committed to keeping it the way it is, mostly because they make money on it. Um, right. And it's just so sad that that's part of why we're stuck. But but yeah, I, I wish schools could be different because you're right. I, I wish people could learn learn in a way that suits their learning style, you know, learn in a way that helps take advantage of, you know, their unique zone of genius um, and realize that, you know, not everyone's going to be good at the core subjects. I wasn't, you know, I did fine in math, but I hated it, <laughs> you know, okay. I did fine in, in English and those things, but I hated it, <laughs> you know, um, and so. I'm with you on that one. I wish I wish schools were better, and I can feel that kind of programming in me today. You know, that yeah, if definitely. I'm not productive or if I don't contribute in those ways, that you know, I'm less valuable. And what I tell people, and I think I said this recently on my own podcast, which was, which was, you know, I have to remind myself on a regular basis that hey, I, I'm here, I am present in this world, on this planet, I am breathing, and that makes me valuable. Yeah, you know, that gives me inherent worth and value, regardless of what if I do anything today i don't have to do anything to be a valuable human being um and i have to remind myself of that that's also gr- like grounding yeah. when i when i hear you say that it's like uh, that's i feel like that's how you maybe ground yourself too yeah for sure i mean it's definitely been a mantra for me because i can totally beat myself up with the best of them if i don't get everything done on my to-do list and you know and i and i, and I help coach people how to be good at that so i have an extra layer of like well michael how do you coach people to be good at that if you sucked at that today you know and i'm like well okay well that's not the only place i derive my value so michael remind yourself that you are valuable just because you are alive you know that your your presence and your existence has value and those things are just things you do Sometimes you just do them for money. Sometimes you do them for positive impact in the world. Sometimes you do them because you're fun. And that doing has nothing to do with your value. Right. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about, um, like, I have really reverted to having, like, such fucking anxiety just from taking one day to myself. And it's funny because it's like that one day could, like, help this, like, burnout tiredness that I'm struggling with. But even when I take it, I'm so... I feel like I'm shame and I'm guilt spiraling, which it's, I have to tell you, I do feel like this pandemic has 
had a lot of people revert to a lot of old, old habits. Um, but anyway, the reason that I was bringing that up, fuck, it just slipped my mind. Ever since I had COVID, my brain like gets so foggy. Oh, please. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, luckily I haven't had COVID and my brain gets foggy. So <laughs> you're in, you're in good company. I, I forget things all the time these days. I, and honestly, what I attribute to, well, A, getting older, I'm sure, but B, I just attribute it to like, my brain was not designed to store all this friggin' information. It's not. It's not. All, it's all, really you, know, not. you know, people, you know, I forget what the stats are, but there's something like, you know, my, our great grandparents, only had you know that we experience you know all the data they experienced in their lifetime in like one week really you know yeah there's I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that number is exact so don't <laughs> quote me on it but yeah. there's something like that i might even be more extreme than that right but the amount of data that we get visual and otherwise that is just you know it's exponential compared to what you know they got i mean even even my even my grandparents i remember you know before Grew up and had a whole life before the internet. You know, were gone before the internet even existed. Right. And the information my grandfather got had access to every single day was like a newspaper, one one newspaper that came to the house, mm-hmm. and maybe an hour of news. Other than that, there was no other data. <laughs> there were no emails. <laughs> you know, there were no apps. There, there was no unlimited notifications or hours and hours of streaming. That was it. You know, so when I think of it from that aspect and look back at my screen time numbers from last week i know that every single day i'm experiencing more data than he did in at least a month or a year Mm -hmm. that's yeah that of course my name of course my 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 brain forgets someone's name that i only see twice a year you know of course course. i did last wednesday you know like uh, and more important things it forgets (laughs) and then and then we think we're like sick or like or like we have a brain like i've watched my pals like freak out over that and be like yep. do i have a, a neurological disorder I, I don't remember what i had for breakfast yesterday and i was like yeah because your brain doesn't identify it as important so yep. it forgot yeah it had to let it go it can't can't keep it all yeah like, well, you know, turn your phone off for a week and see what changes yeah i oh god i've been thinking about that there's this thing called the light phone have you heard of it I have, yeah. L-I-T-E phone, and I want to make the switch, but it's like, (laughs) there's also this thing of like, will you not fall behind, but like, everyone is on, you know, like Mm -hmm. iPhone and stuff, that it's like, will you be able to stay as organized even with all your shit? Yeah, I mean, I I can promise you as, you know, as I, you know, my generation was the generation who literally got the internet in high school. So, you know, I had remember most of much of my growing up with no internet. And I remember getting my first email addresses like a junior senior in high school. And I can promise you that you can be efficient and productive and organized (laughs) and brilliant and genius without a smartphone. Yeah, you really can. Yeah. You know, I think that the hardest part I see for most people, and frankly, the hardest part for myself is feeling like uh, is FOMO, right? It's just, is the idea that I'm just like, there's going to be things going on that I'm not part of anymore. Um, and letting go of that is hard. It's very hard. There was actually a ninja who um, sent me an article that she said was very helpful to her when she moved, first moved to New York City. And it was saying that like, FOMO is absolutely in it. Like you have to accept it because it's absolutely impossible for you yep. to experience all the things. Yep. 
yeah, all of that, all of that endless scrolling and things just is just our way of desperately trying to keep up with all of the things. But like, why should I know any given day what like the you know twenty five to fifty of my friends did yesterday? Yeah. Why should I want to know that? Yes. Yeah. It, it doesn't. It doesn't help me in any way, right? Sure, it might allow for like the the you know a quick moment on Instagram to be like, oh my god, that's so funny, or like, how'd you like that restaurant, right? Like it allows for really, you know, pretty, you know, um, I'll say this. I may not mean it this harshly, but but just like useless banter, right? That's like, exactly what it is. I'm not better off because of those conversations, <laughs> you know. Uh, my life is not enhanced because of those conversations, you know. I'm not better off knowing that my friend had like the best French toast of their life yesterday for breakfast. <laughs> like, I, it doesn't doesn't do anything for me. Um, but I feel like if I don't know that, I'm somehow missing out. Yes. And yep. and that's just. It's pernicious, and I wish it would go away. Uh, but you know, <laughs> that's it. I think the other layer for this, I'll speak for myself. For me, one of the reasons that I stay on is because I kind of use social media for work. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of have to be on at least a little bit for that. But even that, I'm working on. If I if I didn't have to touch it because of work, I do think I'm someone who could get over the FOMO. Uh, in part because you know, again, I remember life before all of this. <laughs> Yeah. And so I, I think I could just be like, well, F it. I'm not involved in that. It, it's fine. If something serious happens, someone will tell me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, though. That's so accurate. It's like yeah. if, if somebody like fucking died or, yeah. you know, got married, like a big milestone, you will hear about it. And I've yeah. noticed that when I've taken breaks off of Instagram. Another thing that I've been doing is I basically would download the app just to, I've been deleting it and reloading it throughout mm. the day. So sure. I'll upload a post and then I'll just delete it right away. Or like yeah. if I'm in the gym, I notice like I'm so programmed while I'm resting to like click on Instagram. So I'll just delete it when I get in, get in and I'll yeah. deal with it and I'll just look into space or listen to music or something yeah. like that. Do you know who's, you know, who's great at this Um, is, you know, you know, Misha, right? Uh, who's a ninja. I do. Um, he's one of my best friends. And yes. Nisha does not have an Instagram or Facebook account. Really? Um, and in, in in part because, well, I would say, that, and that's part of the reason why he is the most connected to all of his friends of anyone I know. You know, he yeah. constantly is like texting and engaging in real conversation. Like, will text me and be like, you know, how is your week going? Like, how are you feeling today? How was that thing you were working on? Like, you know, my conversations with him are not banter about yesterday's french toast i mean once in a while it is because you know i like to cook but uh <laughs> but you know my engagement with him is very different than the engagement i have with my you know loose circle of thousands of friends on instagram and facebook you know all of which I, I i'm sure many of them i love dearly but you know my engagement with them on those platforms is not the same as my engagement with misha on text it's genuinely about making plans to hang out or see each other or talking about real life situations we're going through. And so he's, he's really my hero in this department. And I hope to, I hope to get rid of my account someday, just like him. You know, what's so funny too, like, you know how you just said he's not on Instagram or Facebook. I, yeah. I obviously met him like when I came to fire Island and shit. And I, I yeah. met him when um we went to a show. I forgot what it was, but he's, Oh God, I'm obsessed. But yeah. Um, I always knew of him because of people. I just yep. heard his name a lot and I yep. heard stories about him. And then I finally met him. Like it was just like this, um, like organic flow of like hearing mm -hmm. about him and then finally meeting him. And, um, it's funny because 
I I feel like if he was on Instagram or Facebook, I would have already crept on him and then I would have had preconceived notions of like what he was like and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, people think that, you know, that everyone has like a birth given right to social media profile. And if you don't have one, then you're like, you know, you're barely a human. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you, you barely exist. You know, if you don't have that quote platform and it's like, well, I don't, I don't know that I want that as that quote platform. And I hate when people refer to it as that, but, um, but, you know, and, and I think, part, you know, the part of it is and going back to your cultural reference earlier with your parents that, you know, Misha wasn't born in this country. He's mm-hmm. Russian and lived there, you know, through some of his formative years. And so he's, he has a kind of a different attitude <laughs> about those things. And he can just be like, yeah, fuck it. I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do it. It's a waste of my time. It doesn't help me be productive. It doesn't help me be happy. And so bye. <laughs> you yeah, know? Totally. Uh, and, and he's just, he's very um, delightfully stubborn in that way. It, and it is a delightful stubbornness. And it's like, yeah. for whatever reason, he's able to hang on to like, I want to say the purity or I don't know if purity is a good word, but we'll use it. And um, it kind of is, it's funny <laughs> that you say all this because the former president of Facebook, like I've watched several interviews of his and he's like, my kids are fucking off that shit. A hundred percent. That's he it. Like, uh, all, all yeah. Of the, yeah. All of the executives who run the major social media platforms, um, they, none of them let their children on until they're like fully adults because <laughs> they know, I mean, they employ the people who every day their job is to steal more and more of our time and attention. I mean, that's literally the job of those platforms. You know, we, we are, we are the things they are selling. It's our time and attention. Yeah. And, you know, and I know that <laughs> I know that. And I still let them steal it every single day and they're good at it. You know, they're they really the good at it. Universe that I feel like I can't detach myself from from um and as you know as infuriating as that is I also know that it brings me delight sometimes you know it does no it definitely does and I think I've been thinking a lot about double-edged swords Mm -hmm. and I do think if you know one can find mastery around the other edge then you just hit a gold mine sure yeah no it's true I think you know that you know the the world is full of paradoxes, right? I mean, like this, these are things that can be more than one thing at once, um, you know, and I think social media is one of them. Like yeah. for all the shit that we've talked about it right now, and rightfully so, it deserves a, a lot of shit talking because uh, it is does a lot of harm. Um, it also has done good, you know, it also has done good in bringing people together and connecting the world in positive ways and connecting resources to people who haven't had them and, um, you know, giving people a voice who really needed a quote, platform for that yeah, i mean not like every single person on the planet needs a quote platform but um quote platform i just i hate it i hate the idea that by creating <laughs> an account that i'm expected to use it like a platform it's i like, agree you know, it's pressure it's too like, yeah it's like no bitch i want to post pictures of my house for my family who don't doesn't live nearby right i, I don't need it to be a platform to you know, and that's I, 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 not what I signed up for, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's not to say that I don't think people should have a voice, right, and use that voice to make change and to, you know, question all the things that need to be questioned in this world, <laughs> right? And I don't think that getting a social media account is is the same as signing a contract that that account has to be used as a global pl- platform to share my ideas and um, 
and political views. <laughs> Absolutely. Why can't you just share the good ass food that you make? And <laughs> right. which is outstanding. Your baking eye and and you have such an eye. I've noticed that your photography, I feel like it's phenomenal. The way you take pictures of just even trivial things like the food that you make, which is so not fucking trivial. It's like <laughs> It's, it's also, I've been thinking of it a lot as a creative outlet. So if I yeah. see something that's pretty, I'll yep. take a, I like pretty things. If I see something that's pretty, I'll take a picture of it. Yeah, I'll edit totally. it the way I want. It's a nice creative outlet for me. Yeah, um, that's it. I think uh, I love it for that. I have a friend who started, you know, the uh, Instagram page just to post like a bit of poetry every day, you know, or people who for a little while were doing that, like, you know, a photo a day challenge. And I, I love it as a creative outlet. And again, I want to make sure that no listeners are thinking that I don't think people should like speak up against shit and not have a voice. And, you know, no, I should. think it's, it's totally but, different what you're talking about. What you're talking yeah. about is like this unsaid rule that like you should be using it to, that that there is a should around yeah. your fucking account. There isn't yeah. a should around your account. It's social yeah. media, and you will use it the way that you please. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and you know, because uh, I think that you know we're seeing so much, rightfully so, that you know people are calling people out who have who do use their accounts as platforms who are not speaking up against things like systemic racism or, or totally, economic yes. injustice or, you know, the insane politics we've been through. Yeah. Um, and I get that if you're, if you have, you know, hundreds of millions of followers or, you know, have, have told people that you plan to use your, your, your account in that way, I think that makes sense. But I think, you know, calling out every, everyday humans who are n- not planning to use their account for that same purpose and making the assumption that they are not speaking up and having their voice heard outside of that platform. And I think it's just, I think it's this part of this kind of pernicious cancel culture that I'm not a huge fan of. Me neither. Yeah, yeah. totally. I'm, I'm completely right there with you. And that's such a good way to bring it full circle back to that cancel culture. And I cannot wait to hear what psychologists and sociologists have to say about this um, in time to come as, as it continues to be studied. Why does it exist? And why is it so satisfying for the people who mm-hmm. do can- cancel? Like there's definitely some shit behind that. Um, yeah. Anyways, sure. you have a podcast. Do you want to talk about it at all? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's it's really pretty niche these days. Um, it, it started off um, just about almost two years ago. Was it, is it that long ago now? Jeez, what is time? <laughs> yeah, it's called the Business for Unicorns, Business for Unicorns podcast. If you go to businessforunicorns.com, you can see that's that's basically my business coaching and consulting business with my business partner, Mark Fisher. And so we started a podcast for that. And I really started off by the first maybe 50 entrepreneurs that I interviewed um, were all just people who I thought were making a positive impact mm-hmm. in the world through their businesses that just using commerce and, you know, the capitalism we were talking about earlier, <laughs> using the system of capitalism to actually make a positive impact on their clients, on their teams, on the world. Uh, and I recently just pivoted to be, to focus specifically on the fitness industry, just that's mainly who we serve at Business Radio Coins these days. And so most of my guests these days are all in the fitness or wellness space. And we made the pivot, one, as kind of a marketing choice, just to kind of narrow the set of people we were talking to. But it also helps us focus on more targeted problems in kind of fitness and wellness, which is really useful because as you and I both know, there's, you know, fitness is a young industry and it has a lot of problems (laughs) and it has a lot of opportunities. And so that's the podcast these days. So if you want to hear from, you know, fitness business entrepreneurs, people in the health and wellness space, and hear how they run their businesses and uh, how they see the industry as being great in so many ways and challenging in so many others. Um, it's it's a it's a great series of conversations. They're kind of loose like this like this format where we're just kind of we just kind of talk. Uh, but the thing that I think um, gives it a little more focus than maybe it used my podcast used to have is 
is um is the fact that we're focusing on the topic of the fitness industry these days right <laughs> and totally. any fitness lovers out there i think it's 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 a great series of conversations i have amazing guests that i'm so grateful to have and i learn something on every podcast so i think i think you know everyone listening could too it's really really good show folks definitely check it out i love your podcast i think it's just I don't know if it's because I'm such a fan of you, but the folks that you have on there are incredible and you're incredible. So it's just very magical when like two geniuses, in my opinion, because I feel like everyone you've had on the show is just so they're brilliant in their own way. Um, When you guys come together, it's just such a divine union and hearing that in a podcast is like, it's just magic. So definitely check it, check that out um, for anyone who hasn't. Um, Where can we find you Kiki? Yeah, well, on all those platforms, I was just just shit talking. You can totally, <laughs> you can totally find me there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest, that. to be honest, I don't post a ton on my personal Instagram. Like, I'll post stories and stuff, but I mainly use it for work. So you can find me at you know, at Michael R Keeler um, is my personal one. But then, you know, if you want to hear more about you know the work Aishi and I were doing at Mark Fisher Fitness, go to at MFF Clubhouse. And that's just a fun account to follow if you want just like fitness tips and inspiration from ridiculous people every day. Totally. And then you can also follow at Business for Unicorns if you want to, you know, check out the podcast or are interested in, you know, fitness business coaching and what the industry is doing. But yeah, those are all the places you can find me in, in this this world. You can find me on the platforms that we were just talking shit about. That kind of that's it. I mean, that's that's how I that's how I use them. It's just to connect <laughs> with people who want to do the work and have the conversations that I want to have. Totally. Um, and you know, I'm fine. Yeah, but I cannot <laughs> thank you enough for getting on the show. This was such a blast. We should just like have conversations on a regular basis just to kiki you know we totally should are you crazy i love talking well thank you so 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 much again for coming on the show yeah i adore you thanks so much aishi and that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out our website, humanexperiencepodcast.com. Heads up, the A in human is an X. If you would like to connect with me directly, you can email me, humanexperiencepodcast at gmail.com. Again, the A in human is an X. Feel free to share any thoughts, comments, or if you would like to be on the show, I would love to hear from you. Until next time, folks. 